Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, sitting in for you again, live, coming to you from live from the studios here at Grace FM Colorado in Aurora, Colorado, filling in for my brother Jeff. Uh, you know, these are live broadcasts uh, each day of the week, unless you hear a a note at the beginning of the program that says this is an encore, uh, which when I'm traveling or uh, different, um, usually when I'm traveling and sometimes when I'm sick, uh, they will play an encore. But this is live, taking your calls. Give me a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Or text me. Uh, you can text me directly at the dedicated text line, 720-336-0897. While we're waiting for calls, we'll go right to the text line. Asking for prayers for my husband. He's having several teeth removed tomorrow. Praying things go well and quick healing. So, Father, we do pray for this brother who's going in for pretty serious surgery in his mouth. I pray, God, that it would go well. Uh, and I pray for our brother Jim, who's also in the hospital right now as we're awaiting news on his condition. Um, we pray, God, that you'd be favorable and merciful uh, to Jim and Velma and the family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Here's some prayers for a ministry organization defends the right to life. Can you please pray for Esther? Um, uh, so, Lord, we just pray for Esther and this person that's been stepping into the realm of a pro-life, uh, standing in the gap for the unborn. We pray, Father, that you would show favor and direction, and, God, that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Phone lines are wide open, 303-690-3000 as well as the text line is always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for prayer requests. Uh, we don't take questions or anything after hours, but we definitely pray. Even if you don't get a response, just send your prayer request, and we will forward it to our prayer teams here at Calvary. We'd love to do that, and we'd love to pray. I sent one out this morning, actually. Uh, so don't worry about, this isn't like a conversational line, uh, except when it's used for Calvary Live. Otherwise, it's a line that's always open for texting, and always open for prayer requests, 24-7, And don't worry about a response. Just know that we're going to pray for you, and your response will come from the Lord. If you send it in to the right number, we got it. You can be confident of that, and we will pray over it. Again, get, call me on the air, 303-690-3000. Had a great time in the Word this last uh, weekend studying the last half of John or Acts chapter seven, uh, we study through the Bible uh, verse by verse. Uh, it's important, I think, 
that you be in a church that teaches you the Bible, not uses it as a pulpit decoration or you know maybe refers to it now and then so you can have like a real uh, nice pep talk or life coach. You need a pastor that teaches you the Bible. I'm unapologetic about that. Whether you're listening on Grace FM, whether you're listening on Radio by Grace, whether you're listening on Hope FM or Truth FM or Higher Rock Radio, you need a pastor to teach you the Bible, all of it, not just, you know, here and there. And yeah, we kind of have the Bible and it's sort of what we use. You need to know the Bible, the word of God. And I can't emphasize that enough. You don't need a life coach. Uh, that's not what the pulpits are to be filled with some life coach that you, um, and and I've, I've been saying this, uh, for a long time, but then I was, um, I was reading a book by, and I am reading a book by Jim Cimbala. And he says, um, that while the preaching was less, he we visited a church. He said the focus was less on proclaiming the word of God than showcasing the plans, goals, and vision of the church. Sermons became like a pep talks with the pastor as life coach. Uh, that and and he's saying that is not God's will. Uh, he later says, and it's a brand new book called "Fan the Flame." It's kind of like an ex Pastor Jim Simbola. If you don't know him, he's a pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he has a gift of exhortation. So he just that's how he teaches. As an ex, as a as an exhorter, and he says this in his book. He says, page sixty. Have you noticed that Paul always preached for conversions? He wasn't an example of pastor as life coach. He didn't look to help people spruce up their resumes so they could get better jobs or give pep talks to improve their self image. Paul lived to make converts. Everything else was secondary, and it's from Paul the apostle that we gain our commitment here to teaching the word of God where he tells the, the elders in Ephesus, I did, not, I did not shun to give you the whole counsel of God. And Calvary Chapel, it's how we were discipled, it's how, we were, how we've grown up in the word, and how now we as pastors get to teach you uh, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, book by book. We're in Acts chapter 7, and right now our church is in a place of new beginnings, 23 years almost now, and God's got us doing new things, and we're studying beginnings on our Wednesday night uh, Bible study in the book of Genesis, verse by verse, and we're studying the beginnings of the church on Sundays and Saturdays. We have weekend services, Saturday night, Sunday morning in the book of Acts. What What does God want from his church, especially in these days? Pandemics, racial tension, life coaches in the pulpit, you know, churches abandoning the Bible, not teaching the word, um, on and on the list goes. What does God want from his church? The answer is in the Bible. And part of the answer is found in the book of Acts. So we've been studying that. Good stuff. All right, we got a phone call coming in from Tennessee. Jackie, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Shalom. Hey, you're on the air. Okay, I got a question. Halloween, churches participate, trunk or treat and all this, you know, all these pagan holidays. Why does the church participate in pagan holiday? God tell us not to. Well, I think that you have to ask each individual church what the motives are of the leadership there. Uh, because, you know, you can't just broad brush all the churches that you see doing things, whether it's a trunk or treat or an alternative night. I can answer for myself. Um, that's the okay. best answer. 
We don't celebrate Halloween on the 31st. We provide an alternative for all the kids that are out celebrating Halloween. I mean, there are thousands of kids on the street on that night. And so we want to provide a place in our community where they can come and they can get free candy that we all donated and gave to them in the name of Jesus, that they can get the gospel, that they can have a positive uh, opportunity to view the church, uh, the church that's in the corner, the church they pass on the way to Safeway, the church that you know maybe their parents complain about because they had a bad experience in a church one day, to provide an alternative for them so that God can imprint on their hearts at a very young age that God loves them. And so I can say from the leadership of our church that we provide an alternative, but we're in no way celebrating Halloween. Um, and so then the question comes, and I'll let you give feedback, Jackie. Then then the question comes, well, wait a minute. It's You're doing it on Halloween. Well, you know what? If thousands of kids were out on May 3rd, uh, then we do it on May 3rd. Um, you know, the day itself is insignificant to us, even as you and I, um, let's see, today's Tuesday. What was yesterday, Jackie? Uh, Monday. Did you mention Monday? Did you say it to anybody? You just said it right now, right? Yeah. Did you worship the moon God when you said Monday? No. Well, that means you can participate in something that has pagan origins and not be pagan. Because that's what Monday means. Well, Same with what? Sunday. I always thought all these holidays was pagan. Keep the ones that's holy. God tell us to be holy because uh, yeah, he's holy. They so, definitely have no. pagan or they definitely have pagan origins. They there would definitely be people involved in pagan stuff that night. Yes, you're right. But can you? I think that we need to go deep down in the true meaning of each holiday. What it really means. Well, you don't need to go down. I just I just affirmed to you that it is pagan. So what else do you need to know? Yeah. I mean, like Christmas, like Valentine's Day, Easter. Well, Christmas, you know Easter, Christmas Easter doesn't too. only. Same with Easter. It doesn't have some of the connotations of paganism that you might think. You'll have to do some research on that. And I would encourage you to do that. It is not as pagan as people have made it out to be. I mean, I'm thinking about like Easter eggs and stuff like Easter Bunny. Well, there the were practices. no Easter Bunny, Easter sure. eggs. The practices are, are definitely have um, sources other than the Bible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and so you got you, you know I think Jackie, what you bring up, the question you bring up, or and the the observations that you bring up is how will I navigate in a godless world, and what does holiness actually mean in my life? Does it mean that I avoid every single pagan thing in our culture? And the Bible would you would be surprised by the Bible, but the Bible would tell you not to avoid every single pagan thing in this culture. In the book of Acts, we have a great example of that with Paul the Apostle coming in to the area of, of uh, Athens, and he's walking through all of the idolatrous pagan idol, idols that are out. And there were many. And instead of kicking them over and destroying them and breaking them down, being the good Christian that people think he should have been, you know what he did? He used one of them and he preached the gospel. And then he walked away without ever talking about the, all the fake gods. So the real question is, what is God telling Jackie to do biblically? And you have to make a not just an opinion, but a biblical argument in how to navigate through a very godless world without becoming polluted by the world. And oh. that's a good question to ask. Okay. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Okay, Jackie. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, it is, Jackie's bringing up a great question. This is common anytime Christmas comes up, Easter comes up, uh, 
you know, the a little bit of research would show that some things are not as pagan as you would think. Some things you think are not pagan or actually have pagan origins. But I mean, anything that's developed in a godless world by godless people will have pagan attributes to it uh, that will have uh, the, the, the reality of, well, can I participate in a sports game that has, you know, some roots to the gladiators in Rome uh, and the destruction of those things? And you, you just have to really pray and say, how can I be the most useful to God? Right? He gets the first attention. And then how can I be most useful to God in this godless culture? And I think that Paul, the, Jesus himself, as he uh, gives insight uh, in how he lived life, he, was, he went to parties. He went to parties where people were drunk. He made wine at a party that very, very much uh, could, the Bible doesn't explicitly say, but I think we can make a strong conclusion that he made wine for people that had already drunk all the wine that was there, which means they were probably very much under the influence. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? It's easier to look at, and again, I'm just talking out loud here, so you can offer your opinions if you want, 303-690-3000. But what do you do with that? What do you do with the with the one who had a woman that was caught in the midst of adultery and according to the law was thrust right in front of Jesus and according to the law she should have been stoned and Jesus was merciful to her. What do you do with that? He was able to navigate in a godless world that was anti-Christ in in their life, uh, in in their in, in in a creation, his creation that rebelled against him. So so he's actually operating in the creation that has rebelled against him. And will soon kill him and without sin. I think another great example of this is in Romans 14, verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives thanks and he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat or give God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. And so I think, personally, I mean, I, again, I can only speak for my, our church family, but we do not celebrate Halloween. And I don't dress up like some warlock or anything, Um I dress up like a pastor. That's how I show up. But it's an alternative. It's an outreach. It's an opportunity to give kids, Christian and community kids, a safe haven so that they can participate in a thing where they get candy, but they get candy in Jesus' name, play a lot of games, bless the kids as a bridge to the gospel. Great question. I'm so glad you asked, Jackie. All right, let's head over to line two now. Debbie is in Texas. Uh, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Where in Texas are you? <laughs> I'm near Amarillo. Okay, great. Um, so I have a grandson that has been really um, asking me questions and about the book of Enoch okay. and what I think about it. And I don't know what I think. I've heard I've just I've just heard that um, that it wasn't written 
by Enoch himself. And, and um, so here's my question is, sure. because of this book, my grandson has turned away from Jesus, basically, as being our Savior. And uh, because he has become so uh, caught up in whatever it says. And so we can't have any really good conversations right now. And okay. what I would like to ask you is, is there anything positive from the book? And what are the negatives of the book? Okay, let me talk. Uh, I don't know your grandson personally, but I can say in a broad sense that the reason he's turned his back on the Lord is not this book of Enoch. The book of Enoch is just an excuse for the an hardness excuse, of his And heart. I think so, too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying he, he's using the, these, these words as a basic to fight for whatever. Sure. He, he wants to believe, maybe, and I should have said it differently. I'm sorry. No, but I just wanted to encourage you. That's all. I know yes, it, I, you're doing your best to describe it, but I wanted to lay—when I, I hear calls like this, I just want to take burdens off that sometimes we create worse burdens than—because <laughs> the same way that the same way that he walked away or is walking away from God is the same way he's going to come back. God is going to minister to his heart. Truth is going to take heart. Take, take root and displace the lies in his life, and that's what we need to pray for. Oh, to your... I pray constantly every day for uh, a reconciliation. I, I, you know, I just, for him to, to finally just say, okay, I give. Yes, Jesus is my Lord. And he believes that until about five years ago. There's been many, many horrifying things that have happened. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to blame them either. I think he just wants to live his life like he wants to live it, and all of this has added to that. But yeah. trauma but and hurt I'm are real. You know, I, I think that to, he he literally grabbed his head the other day because Nana, what if I'm telling you the truth and you're going to die because you're not believing me? And I just said, "Oh Jesus, help me! Oh Jesus, help me! I can't well, do I, this! I can't do this!" I, th- I think that the answer to that, first of all, let me let me let me answer this, Enoch. It's not it's not a worthy book. It's not inspired. There's really no good use to it. Um, it comes to a you know, there's good answers for your son or your grandson. It's a pseudopiph. There's a fancy word for this. It's called pseudepigraphal. There are many pseudepigraphal books. The Book of Enoch is the popular one right now, uh, but it is a book that is fake that's attributed to Enoch. Um, okay. and there's, there's, it's not inspired. There's no, there is no evidence whatsoever that it's anything other than a book that was written falsely and, and is a book that undermines faith. There's no need to read it, no need to do anything with it. And that's, that simply answers the first question. Okay. Uh, but, but when it comes to your grandson, when he asks a question like grandma, what if I'm the one telling you the truth and you're the one lying I, I, that's a great question. He opened the door. That's a great question. Even though I know it's going to be hard for you because you're emotionally attached because this is your grandson. So it's going to be super hard for you to answer. But the answer is, well, well, grand, well, grandson, what's his name? What's his first name? Colton. Well, Colton, let's just start with Jesus and let's, let's start with him. If we're both, if you and if you're concerned about finding the truth and you're concerned about me finding the truth, well, then let's just study Jesus Let's study the book of, let's read the book of John together. Like okay, you can go I, back. I did, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I said, let's start in the book of John. He said, well, that's the one book of the Bible I'm not going to read because John, he, he is, he's been con- 
he's convinced that that John was not um, that his books are not uh, are not inspired. Well, um, he, he's, he's not been, being he's very really nice. Really close in his every door that I open, he does. He's, he's not being going, very nice to his grandmother, and we need to pray that. <laughs> that his heart be softened toward that very special relationship you, you guys have together because he's not being nice. He's actually being very mean to you. Um, it's in, and I, I know, you know that you probably can't say it out loud, but I'm going to say it for you. Um, he's not even honoring you as in the right role that you have, that God's placed you in his life. And we need to pray for a softness. So even with this, okay, you don't want to read John. Let's read the book of Mark. Let's just read hey. one of the gospels together. Colton. Yes. Like, like I, I, I don't know why, and, and you can pull and, and I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how comfortable you are with this, but you can pull your grandma cards on him and you can, you can get emotional in front of him and you can say, but Colton, you are just exacerbating me. I don't know what's happened to you. You don't even want to read. I mean, you be yourself, but like, I can feel your emotion through the radio and I know he could feel it sitting right there in front of you or on the phone with you. And it is okay to use your relationship in his life. You could say, you know, Colton, I was reading the Bible the other day and I just saw what an important role that Timothy's grandmother had in his life. Why won't you let me have that role in your life? I mean, just go for it. That's biblical. Yeah. Well, and, and just like he says, well, show me where Jesus, Jesus just gives all glory to the father. He gives all glory to the father. He is, um, he was, he was, He's wonderful. I love Jesus, but he's not. He's not the son of God. And I said, oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. And I said, please, Colton. I said, Jesus says he is. He goes, only in the book of John. And I said, uh, and I said, no, all through the book in so many different ways, he says it. In so many, he goes, okay, Nana, write them down and show them to me. Just show them to me. And I well, I mean, I'll, let me just give you one right now. Luke 22, verse 22. Truly the Son of Man goes as has been determined. Um, you know, I think that when you when you look at Jesus speaking, um, talking about his, they asked him in Luke 22, verse 70, are you then the Son of God? And he said to them, you rightly say that I am. I mean, you rightly say that I am. And come I, on, Colton. And those are, He's just—he's shutting those doors. He's shutting those doors, and I just—I just don't know. Uh, but so the, here's here's what I is think there is anything happening. Anything else I, I need to be doing? I'm not that I'm not doing no. like you said. I it's, I haven't pulled a grandma car on there, but he is so he's so gentle to me. He literally acts like he's trying to save me. Yes. Literally crying because he's trying to save me, and I'm trying to save him. Uh, well, I can't save him, but I'm trying to, to let him know what the truth is, and he's setting me you, down on the truth. Let, let me tell you what he's doing, just from your description. There's a couple things that he's doing. Number one, he's fighting God. Yeah. He's had a sounds like he's had a strong foundation that the gospel has been preached to him, that he knows the truth. So number one, he's fighting God. Number two, I think he's taking advantage of your sensitivity. And I know it's hard to hear that my own grandson would do that to me. But I do think the way you're describing it, he is, I mean, it's not a nice thing to try to undermine the faith of someone. It's just not nice. He's not being nice. And thirdly, the reason I think he's not being nice is because he's got deep issues with sin in his life. 
and he's not going to let not even his grandma get close to the reality of of how he's fighting remember paul saul of tarsus i was just this is fresh in my mind but remember jesus was able uh, to tell him on the road to damascus saul why are you kicking against the goads and remember the kicking against the goads you remember how it came out in paul's saul's life he was angry he was murderous i mean here's your grandson obviously not physically in any way but trying to murder your faith trying to undermine your faith and and he's frustrated he's wanting to take advantage and so you are hidden in Christ. He doesn't have any authority over you. And and I know I kind of use the phrase, use your grandma card, but here's the thing. You are grandma, so just be yourself. Just love on him. And and I'm sure you've had to discipline him over the years. I'm sure that oh, yes. I'm sh- you've yes. watched him and had, so you still have that in you. You'll do it very differently because he's an adult now, but like you don't have to take this stuff. You can be firm too. Um, God can make, God could use you in a firm way or strong word and again, some people plant, some people water, and God gives the increase. And I just know that the Book of Enoch is what his popular thing is right now, but the but the young man has a moral issue, and because you're the closest to him, you're feeling the brunt of his kicking against the goads. Well, I, 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 I just I've tried um, so many things, and I so many ways, uh, different approaches in the last five years, and it just seems like I'm not don't, making any headway. Don't min- don't minimize that. You <laughs> you aren't. Don't minimize any of that. I mean, because the alternative is I just wrote my grandson off and I don't love him anymore. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Exactly. So no, don't no, minimize no, that no. at all. Even though you may not see, it's kind of like a farmer. No farmer, no farmer ever in the history of farming ever planted a seed on Monday and expected a crop on Tuesday. No one. Because it's a process, and it takes a lot of time. And we don't know what that timing is, even for Colton. But but before I pray, because we're coming up on the end of the break, I just want you to hear my voice, listen to it, and listen to my words. You are talking to someone who was born again due to the faith, in part, to the faithful prayers of his grandmother, who came to faith herself very late in life. Um, very late in life did she finally come to a born again surrender to Jesus and she loved me I was her favorite and I was probably one of the worst kids in all the family and and yet God was very gracious to me and here I am serving God many years later and it's in part to my grandmother Luana who prayed for me and even listen to this the very first time I ever spoke in public anything to do with the gospel and the Bible was at her memorial she requested it and she just took a liking to this punk kid, probably because I reminded her of her some ways of her troubled youth. And here I am. And God hears your prayers, grandmother, just like Timothy. God hears the grandma's prayers and they're not in vain. Well, I believe, I believe because we suffer. Well, let me pray for you because we're coming up on the end of the first half. So father, I pray for my sister. I pray for her pain over the condition of her grandson and give her wisdom, God, to walk in the moment, how to minister to this young man. We pray for his soul right now. Whatever it is that's troubling him and taking root in his heart that would rebel against you and that we all have to deal with his rebellion, I just pray you'd bring him to yourself and that like the prodigal son, he would come to his senses in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, Debbie, okay. I got to go. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, shout out to my friends in Amarillo. I'm grateful for Amarillo, Texas. It's where I met my friend uh, Bill Gem, who pastors Grace Church there. And uh, Grace Church is uh, the one that keeps uh, Radio by Grace on the air. It's the origin of Radio by Grace radio network. So I'm always blessed by calls uh, from the Amarillo, Texas area. Bless you guys. And I know many of you grandmas feel like Debbie. Don't stop praying. Hide in Christ. He's your strength. You hear the music. We'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to today's second half of Calvary Live. It's the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. I want to invite you, everyone listening in, in the Denver metro area, uh, to come out to our church Saturday night, 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 8.45 and 10.45. The best way to connect with us with all that information you need about our church is to download our free app. Uh, Thousands upon thousands of people have downloaded it already. Just go to our app store, or excuse me, go to your app store, whatever phone you're using, and put in my name, Ed Taylor, Ed Taylor. Um, some people have questioned, why is your name attached to the church? Well, it's not attached to the church. Uh, the name of the church is Calvary Church. However, there are thousands of Calvary churches around the country, even around the world. But so far, we've only found one that's pastored by Ed Taylor. So we put our name on there so it's easy to find. You're not scrolling through page after page. Just put my name, Ed Taylor. You can find two apps that way. One is our church app, Calvary Church, and the other is our radio station app, our Grace FM radio network, and we'd love to have you. Now, again, this is always a good opportunity. I invite you to support financially your radio station, the one that you're listening to right now, uh, because they're all owned by churches. I know it doesn't sound like that. It sounds very professional. Uh, it sounds very professionally run because they are but we're not a major corporation. We're just churches that have a burden to teach the Bible and to provide that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And some networks, like the Radio by Grace network, is very large. And because it's very large, it requires a, a, a large amount of resources, money. You know, we say resources, people and money to pay the bills. You know, we have electric bills, we have rental bills. We have technology bills, licensing bills, staffing bills, gasoline bills. I mean, on and on the list goes. So support local Christian radio. Um, And, you know, some of the larger music stations, Christian music stations, they don't need the money. Uh, They do very well. Uh, So uh, they have a a way of marketing and things that we just don't do and we don't want to do. But we will ask you. And we will provide the need before you. And right now, in a moment, I'll even pray for you that the Lord will minister to you, even in such a challenging time uh, with our economy and such, that every little bit counts. You can go to, so if you're listening on Grace FM, 
go to gracefm.com. If you're listening by Radio by Grace, go to radiobygrace.com. If you're listening to Hope FM, that's hopefm.net. Truth FM, truthfm.net. And then higherrockradio.org. And any of those places you can you can support. And of course, I know that because this originates in Colorado, I just don't want to forget you guys listening on Grace FM. Um, support us. You have been for the last 12, 13 years. So thank you. Um, thank you very much for you standing with us, partnering really with us. We even have something called Grace Partners where you can sign on uh, as a it's like we can count on you monthly. And then we send you gifts and things just to thank you and encourage you so that we develop more of a relationship with you. Um, you can check all that out at gracefm.com. But I'm not asking you guys outside of the Grace FM network to support us. I want you to support the listen the station you are listening to. They need it. The, wherever you're hearing this program, it's on many different stations around the country. Support the station you're listening to, please. Uh, it will help us stay on the air, expand and grow, uh, and continue to see lives change. 303-690-3000. We have had people waiting since the first half, so we're going to jump into Brent, line three in Denver. Welcome to the program. Hello, Ed. Hello. Uh, hi, Ed. I've got uh, two questions. Uh, the first one is, was Ramsey's the second that went up against Moses, was he an only child? Or do we not know, or how does history record? Did he have brothers and sisters since there was no birth control really back then? Um, and I was wondering if if he if was he the firstborn, and why would he not have been struck down by the angel of death? I have no idea. Okay. Um, Second question. Let me speak to it real quick. I just want to let that set in right here. That that question requires a little bit of digging. Uh, And my first thought is, is that the Pharaoh that was uh, resisting Moses at the time, the the curse, as I recall, it was all of all of the firstborn of Egypt. It wasn't including him because the judgment was upon him. Like it was because of him. So the judgment spoken to him was separate from him. Okay. So he wouldn't die, my... but his firstborn would die. Yeah, he wouldn't die, but his firstborn would die. Right, right. Um, and the next one may be similar um, in the law. What was the penalty for adultery? And Solomon had a thousand concubines yes, uh, or whatever. And then the question is, is um, what, was he, because he was king, just would not be under the law and could do whatever he wanted? And that kind of would set a bad example for Ahab uh, and other kings like him. But was the king just above the law? So therefore, even the law of Moses didn't apply to them uh, when it no. came to uh, no, adultery? no. no, no. no. That that I would not I would not support that point of view that the king was above the law because certainly David um, he experiences great consequences because of his sin uh, and so the king is not above the law but from a theological from a practical stance I'm certain that he had some kind of power you know physically where 
he could get away with things. Uh, he obviously did get away with things in the, the physical realm, multiplying all those wives. But then the question then is becomes, did he get away with anything with God? Well, how would you answer that question? I'll flip around your question and I'll say, what do you think? Do you think that Solomon got away with multiple wives with God? No, and it appears that he was contrite and repentant at the very end because he said that all was vanity. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that he did not get away with it because the very sacrifices of the old covenant would be just as applicable to him, pointing of coming Messiah, as they would with anyone else. But we would look at this uh, in our own human realm and go, it's not fair. And that we would declare that it's not fair, God. How does he get away with it? You were you explicitly not only in the law, you know, Brent, you got to realize it's not only in the law, but it was also the wisdom. It is God telling you, I don't want my kings to multiply horses or wives. So even in the role that he had, he got it twice. Yeah. And he paid a high price for it. His life and his family, like David before him, is wrecked. Um, when you operate, I think of, we just looked at Abraham in Genesis 17, uh, and 16 last week, Wednesday, and you have Hagar picking up, you know, how, how did they get Hagar? Well, Abraham went to Egypt running away when, instead of trusting God with a famine, he ran to Egypt. Well, he left Egypt with Hagar. Hagar shows up They're They're getting impatient with the promise of God. Uh, culturally, it would have been acceptable for Abraham to take for Sarai to offer her handmaid to her husband for the sake of children. They did the cultural norm. Ishmael was born. Great progress. He doesn't hear, he doesn't have really, that the problem with, um, one of the problems Abram personally experienced with Ishmael is that he didn't have a close communion with God for 13 years. And so I don't think these, I don't think any of us get away with anything. We suffer the consequences of our sin but I don't believe Solomon was above the law, even though in a practical realm, kind of like our political environment today, politicians get away with a lot of things because of their power. Right. Well, awesome. <clears throat> that answered my question. Thank you so much. And let's get someone else on. Um, uh, All right. And Thanks get for their calling. Questions. Thank All you, right. sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. And I'm just, I'm going to... I am going to think this, that first question through, because it is true. I really don't know, but I wonder if I did a little bit of digging, I might be able to find an answer to that question. But I'm pretty happy with how I view it, just just generally thinking. But I wonder if there's a little bit deeper, if there's something deeper I can look to. So I'm not going to be able to, um, I'm going to spend some time tonight, I think, just looking some things up. 303-690-3000. Where are we, Brent? Um, we're going to go to Aurora now. Rob, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple things with Jackie's call. that um, I don't know that they got mentioned, but I was raised Catholic and um, got saved in a Baptist church and um, grew up then Baptist a bit, and um, we didn't celebrate Halloween, or um, and some of the other things going on. And um, I thought about it um, from hearing it from the pulpit. You know, there's only certain people, certain people can really reach. Like you have your circle of influence, and I yes. have mine. 
Yes. And um, they're different. Yes. And so what we do at our house, not celebrating Halloween, I don't, I don't believe, but I believe God knows my heart. What yes. I try to do is give out some candy, but also give a track and try to help um, share the love of God, like you mentioned, in um, having the trunk, trunk or treat at your church. And then uh, um, also um, make sure that um, Jesus is shared. Yeah, I think that one of the challenges that uh, Jackie's question raises, and you're touching on it, is where we have tremendous freedom in the Holy Spirit to navigate in a very godless. And some people would draw the line a lot more conservative. Uh, Some people would draw the line a lot farther from that conservative line. But we are still neither one, the hyper, the, the real conservative one or the one that's less conservative isn't sinning. And I think right. that's the key. Uh, it, I think it's not explicitly, I, I mean, I'm again, I know it's kind of silly. I always use this silly illustration, but I mean, it's not as silly as you would think. If you use a calendar and you participate in the naming of the days, then I guess you can make an argument that you're participating in a pagan practice. Because the names Correct. were date, many of the names were were many of the days of the week were named after pagan gods, and I know for a fact that when you write the word Monday, you're not bowing down to the moon god. I know that for a fact. Um, yep. But I think yep. in these other places, there's so many opinions. So you know, again, every Christmas, Easter, and Halloween, all the the YouTube videos and all the the popular guys on television is like, I can't believe don't participate in pagan. Well, yes, I agree. Don't be a pagan, but just because you are dressed up doesn't mean you're a pagan. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we're not only participate in pagan, pagan holidays on the holidays. Sometimes we're a pagan outside of the holidays. In a lot of different ways too. Like that, exactly. that's what legalism will do. Legalism is rules for you, but not for me. <laughs> that's right. really and what we it grew amounts up overly to. conservative in that Baptist church. And I think we've missed a lot of opportunities to share the love of Christ and even share Christ um, in that. But anyway, the Holy Spirit convicted me yeah, um, through teaching in the, from the pulpit and obviously in the word. And, uh, and now we um, don't celebrate it, but we share. That's right. And you know, and we're we hoping have... that we share God and, and Jesus's love. We, we find, we have something painted on our wall. I found it uh, I saw it somewhere. It's not me originally, but we've adopted it in our church. It's right when you walk in downstairs. It's prominent so everybody can see it. And it says, we will do anything short of sin to reach yep. the lost. Amen. And, I read that. I've been to your church. so. And I believe it. But we were talking about something. Look, th- this was interesting because Pastor Ian, our worship pastor, and I, I forget what the topic was, but we were talking about something. And I kind of held back a little bit. I kind of said, I don't know. And then he goes, but Ed, it says down on the wall that we'll do anything mm-hmm. short of sin. And, and like he used that to mm-hmm. help, help me just, just, I don't know if I changed my mind. I actually don't remember what it was, but I, I know that it will cause me to say, but Lord, I made this commitment and I don't want to sin against you. And even if this rubs me the wrong way, just like, oh, go for it, Ian. Like, it's okay for you, so just go for it. And uh, it's 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 something that we're growing in, and I just want to grow in it more because I think the Lord's coming back, and I, I don't want to be religious making all these artificial rules when we can reach the lost. Exactly, and if we're not growing, we're dying. So That's right. It's important well, thanks, to brother. continue to grow. Thank you, Pastor. All right, bye-bye. God bless. Yeah, you know, we... 
that just reminded me, I wish I remember what we were talking about, but like it's, it's, I still have my own conservative stuff. I mean, I still have things the Lord's trying to stretch me in, uh, but I'm also surrounded by a bunch of different believers in our church that's doing all kinds of wonderful things. And we as the body of Christ. So I would just say this, if going to an alternative night is to you celebrating Halloween and you just can't get over it, you then don't don't go to alternative night and just pray it through this year. But if you're like, I'm wondering if I can go and take my kid because just sitting in the house, turning off the lights and trying to isolate myself from a dark night, um, you know, just is uncomfortable and maybe I can try it, then take a step of faith. You're You're not sinning by staying home. You're not sinning by going out. I mean, if it was on any other day of the week, it would be okay if your kid's dressed up. It would be okay. I mean, I we don't encourage like scary costumes. We don't encourage, but there are scary costumes on our property because unbelievers come. I mean, there's some weird costumes out there, but like we're not this. I don't. We. we I. I. I don't know what to tell you other than we. We need to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit and learn how to love people that are different from us. Love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Love our neighbors, ourselves. All right, down to Colorado Springs. Sherry, welcome to the program. Hey, Sherry, are you with us? Um, yes. You are on the air. Um, thank you. I am calling today. I had a uh, close, immediate family member recently um, take his life. Yes. And I have been in a debate with a close friend of mine who is a believer as well as we are and continues to say that there's no way he would have gone to heaven because it's considered self-murder, suicide. Yeah. And I just have a really hard time believing that, that a God that loves us. And I don't know what the conversation was in those final moments with with my family member and God. Um, And I'm just really grappling with that understanding and that a God that loves us and knows our hearts would not in our hardest moment, difficult, most painful moment, not accept us into heaven because we weren't able to work through that pain. Well, I I do think that um, let's start with, let's start with (laughs) salvation, Sherry. A person is saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If they, if you believe in, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. And so if your close family member was born again, then we trust that God will keep his word and she or he will be in the presence of the Lord. Because I believe the Bible teaches that we are not judged by our final act on earth. And I'm grateful for that because it doesn't even have to be suicide. It could be cussing someone out, uh, you know, before a car accident or like it could be a thousand different sins could be the last thing we do before we before we die. And God doesn't judge that way. He judges through the lens of eternity by what a person has done with Jesus Christ. And and you're right. I want to affirm this in your in your heart. You are 100 percent right. Your family member was in a deep crisis and they were confused and hurt and as they were assessing their situation, they came to the wrong conclusion that life would be better and everybody would be better if they weren't here. 
and they they made a permanent decision for a temporary pain and i really do believe those that commit suicide are not thinking clearly they're overcome by their emotions and they're overcome by the difficulties and they're 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 they've talked themselves into a very desperate difficult hard thing that has long lasting pain but i would encourage you um in your care for your for your family member that the only thing that dictates whether they're with the lord or not was not by their final act but whether they were born again thank you if you email me i can send you some info on that too and and even some info to help you grieve um because i can hear it in your voice um this is a very challenging hard situation and and you know this other person that you're talking to I just want to give you permission. You don't have to take it, but I want to give you permission as a pastor and as a fellow believer. You don't have to talk to them about this anymore. It's not good for you. You don't have to prove your point. You don't have to argue. This is somebody you loved and cared for, and you don't need to talk to them about it anymore. I will do that. I think it'll be healthy for you. And it might be hard because they might get all flipped out about it, but it doesn't matter. You take care of yourself, be strong in the Lord, and you don't have to defend God or even your point of view. The Bible is very clear, and it's very insensitive and very mean-spirited for that person to say what they did to you, and you don't have to listen to it anymore. Thank you, Pastor. Can I pray for you? And I will email you. Yes, okay. I would very much appreciate that. Father, I pray for my sister Sherry and just all the pain and even the confusion that comes from suicide for everyone that's left behind. I pray that you would strengthen her and help her and grow her in grace and help her in her grieving, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. I skipped through. If anybody needs help with grief, uh, email me. I've spent the last nine years reading just about every resource I can find on grief and I will not recommend the bad ones, but I will definitely recommend the good ones. And you can read. I, I also write. I haven't written in a little while, but I also write on the topic on my website, edtaylor, E-D-T-A-Y-L-O-R dot O-R-G, edtaylor.org. Uh, I write on grief there, and um, and I have all kinds of recommendations. So email me, and my email is ed at edtaylor.org. Ed at edtaylor.org. All right, let me get back real quick to Amarillo, Texas. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, I have a question. So my husband and my father both tell me that the scriptures say that it, all fruits, everything that comes from the earth is okay to partake in. Okay. And they're both heavy uh, marijuana smokers. And I'm not finding anything like that besides in the very beginning before the fall. So I guess my question is, um, is is it biblical for them to smoke marijuana or no? No, I I don't believe it's it's biblical or wise for them to smoke marijuana. Um, And that's the position I take. Um, If, you know, kind of like with alcohol, right? Drinking alcohol is not a sin in and of itself, but drunkenness is. 
And so sometimes we approach these things with, well, is drinking alcohol a sin? And I like to ask a different question. And I would ask the question this way. Even if we could find reason for for alcohol or marijuana, is it the smartest thing to do? Uh, Is it the wisest thing to do? Because it's going to lead you down a path away from God. You're going to be under the influence. You're going to end up drunk many times, not necessarily with alcohol, but definitely they're not smoking pot for the smell. They're smoking pot to come under the influence of it. They want to be in another space. They want to feel high. I mean, it's just no no way around that. And the Bible says to be sober-minded, to be sober. And so in and of itself, they are sinning by smoking pot, number one. And then number two, the silliness of every herb I've given you, you know, every seed I'm giving you, you can have it all, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's so dumb. It's such a dumb answer because I don't see your, I don't see those men taking poison ivy and rubbing it all over their bodies. Why don't they smoke the grass that's in the front yard? Why don't they go out and cultivate the leaves or the pine needles? Why aren't they smoking that stuff? And I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't give them the kind of hallucinogenic um, uh, experience that they have. So in a very small way, very simple way, I do believe smoking pot is sinful, period. Are you still with us? Ah, I think you dropped off. But that's how I would answer. Let's try to get Ava in Fort Collins real quick. Ava, welcome to the program. Yes. Hi, Basarad. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Ah, good. So I have a question about, I have a dear friend that is very close to my heart. And um, he is getting married. Okay. Uh, he's, he's gay. Yes. So he's and, technically uh, not getting married. And uh, so he... Um, and I, he's very close to my heart. He invited me to the wedding, and uh, I really would like to go, um, just to you know, because because I love him. Yes. But I'm I worry that it will be misunderstood for approval. Yeah, I couldn't. And do he, it. I could just speak for myself. I couldn't do it. It's not a marriage. It flies in the face of all that God has taught. Uh, it do, it's not marriage in any way whatsoever. It's flaunting a sinful decision in the face of God of something that he has made sacred and holy and marriage is a picture of Christ and his relationship to the redeemed bridegroom, you and me, or the bride, um, you and me, the bride of Christ. I couldn't do it. And and I don't suggest people to do it. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, my personal conviction. I, I think that mm-hmm. some people could probably pull it off and not be, con- you know, without sin, you know, just like being being there to be a friend. I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that's completely sinful. I just couldn't do it. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I just didn't know if this is the right thing to do because I definitely don't want to burn a bridge because uh, he knows he knows my heart and he had a hard time coming out to me. He knew how I react. Um, and uh, Well, but, let, me, uh, let me say this. Let me say this. Yeah. Because uh, I, I agree with you. I don't want you burning inner bridges. I want you being a good friend. I want you to handle this with delicacy and, and carefulness and love. But you don't have to compromise. If a friendship requires you to compromise your walk with the Lord, that's not a real friendship. That's not fair. As much as you have accepted his sinful decisions just to be his friend, like you don't approve of them, 
but you're like, oh, I'm not going to think of you differently. I love you. I want you to know about my Savior. A friendship would be reciprocal and say, well, I, I respect you and your commitment to Jesus Christ, and I understand why you wouldn't attend this ceremony. I mean, if that that's real friendship. And if it requires you to compromise, that's not real friendship. Thank you. That, that definitely helps. Okay. Thank you. God bless you. We got to go. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Wow. You know, these are the real things of life. And I mean, if you listen to the show today, you've got, you've got suicide. You have, how do we avoid paganism? You have, can my family smoke weed? Um, um, should I attend a gay wedding? How do I share? Uh, what about my grandson that's turned his back on the Lord and treating me poorly? Um, man, this is real life. And one of the one of the beautiful things about this show is you get to hear what's happening in the world today, and it better equips you and me to serve people. And it's not always easy, is it? It's not just so cut and dry. And the answer we gotta we need wisdom from the Lord. We need to trust him with all our hearts and he'll lead us and guide us and he'll give us the words and he'll help us with our decisions. You can trust God. So be encouraged, guys. I'll be back tomorrow on my regular day. Be encouraged and uplifted. Calvaryco.church or edtaylor.org. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.